Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, and today we'll be considering verses 11 through 28. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. Now, if perfection had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, for which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of the Lord. From this text this morning, I'll be bringing a message. Jesus is the new and perfect high priest. Let's join our hearts together once again in prayer. Father, we do come this morning in the name of Jesus, the one as our, who, in our, as our text says, is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. We praise you 
this morning, Lord Jesus, that you are our great, you are, you are our perfect high priest. We thank you that you have once for all offered yourself up as a sacrifice for sin. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that on that cross you became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in you. This morning, fathers, we come to this wonderful passage in the Word of God. We, be, we want to acknowledge this morning that we believe you. We believe your Word. We believe the Word of God, uh, Lord, is given by inspiration of God, is God-breathed. Therefore, we believe in its inerrancy. We believe, Lord, in its authority. We believe in its sufficiency. And so this morning, we come before you. We submit ourselves to you. And we submit ourselves to the Word of God. And we ask that you speak to us today anew and afresh. Because again, we believe the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, help us this morning now by the work of your Spirit in dwelling every one of us as believers. Uh, the one who inspired, who breathed this Word lives in us, dwells in us. And Lord, I this morning ask uh, as your uh, your under shepherd this morning, your shepherd as your spokesman this morning from your word, that I might clearly communicate the word of God, that I would rightly divide the word of truth, Father. Please keep me from error in any way, from any, in any way, uh, Lord, bringing dishonor to you. But Lord, I pray that you would, that the, 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 the thoughts of my heart, the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing and acceptable to you and that you would be glorified. Father, speak to your church today. Lord, that we might receive the truth and also that we might make the obedient application and that we might not be merely uh, hearers of the word, but that we might be doers of the word. So we trust you, Lord, to change our lives under the word and show us what you have us to see today and that we would leave here more like Jesus. Speak to the hearts of those today who are in our midst, Lord, who have yet to repent of, your, of their sin and turn and trust in Christ. Please, Lord, we ask that you overcome their resistance, that you bring them, uh, Lord, if, even as this passage says, bring them by your spirit so that they might draw near to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith and repentance in Christ and him alone. So we look to you for that today and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. During the Civil War, um, a young Union soldier lost his father and older brother in the war. And so this soldier went to Washington, D.C. to try to get an audience with the president uh, so that he could, um, uh, he could get a, a, a variant, so to speak, or uh, be able to avoid having to go to war so that he could, could go and... Uh, could plow the field and plant the crops for his mother and sister. Well, he went to the White House, and, and when he got there, he was soon turned away from seeing the president. He went outside, and he sat down on a park bench nearby, and, and uh, a little boy happened to be walking by, and he saw him, and, and he looked at him, and he said, uh, he said, you, you look unhappy, soldier. What's wrong? And so the young man told the little boy what had happened, what he'd experienced. The little boy listened. And then he took the soldier by the hand. He walked toward the White House. He went into the back door of the White House, past the guards, 
right on to into the Oval Office. And President Abraham Lincoln looked up at him and he said, Tad, what can I do for you? And he said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. And this time, the soldier was not turned away. What was the difference? The difference, obviously, was a relationship. And this passage we are, we've read, have read to you today, we're going to be looking at, describes the, the wonderful opportunity we have in Christ for a relationship with God the Father. That as this passage says, we are now enabled through our glorious high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, be, to be brought near to God. And I hope that if anything uh, comes to your heart today, that that realization and that privilege as a believer will come real to your heart today. And if you're not a believer, that you'll recognize your need to draw near to God and that it can only come through a, through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the book of Hebrews uh, and the writer of Hebrews was inspired by the Spirit to use the word better 12 times. In fact, uh, 12 out of the 18 times that it is used in the New Testament. We've already seen, of course, that the writer was inspired to show us that, that, that the Lord Jesus as our high priest is better uh, than the angels, better than Moses, better uh, than Joshua, better than the law, better than the, uh, the old covenant, uh, better even than the uh, high priest under the uh, Levitical system. And so today we are specifically again seeing that Jesus as our high priest along with his new covenant is better or superior than the Old Testament Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system under the Old Covenant. Again, I remind you uh, that he was seeking to warn uh, those uh, professing believers who most had come out of Judaism and come to uh, profess faith in the Lord Jesus, and he was warning them, as we've seen uh, in this book, against returning to, to Judaism and going back to the old system because of the, of the persecution that they were facing and that was going to increase. And today, we, we may not be today in, in, in our economy or where we are today here in Lucy, at Lucy Baptist Church in 2018. Most of us are not from that background. And you may say, how does this apply to me? I'm not being tempted to, to go to Judaism. Uh, but, uh, but while we may not be tempted uh, to, be, to return to Judaism, we can as believers and, and most likely will be tempted to, uh, to t return uh, to the world. And, uh, and to return to things that, uh, especially under persecution and under suffering, we're, we're tempted to return or to turn to the world's solutions. Many try to, to do that uh, and turn back to things that, that uh, have, have supplied their need in the past, whether it's alcohol or drugs or worldly pleasures or, or possessions, materialism, as many do. But I would say all of us are tempted to take the easy path. We're, tempt, we're tempted uh, not to take that stand when, when we're given opportunity to stand for Christ, to speak out the gospel, or to stand for a biblical conviction. We're in a situation where we're, we're faced with, uh, with compromise. And so we're tempted to take the path of compromise. Again, and I believe this passage is, is, is reminding us that what we really need to do is to see the, the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ as our high priest. 
Again, who is, as this passage says, who is able to save to the uttermost all who draw near to God through him. So we're going to look at this passage. It's a rather lengthy passage. We won't be able to look at all of it real closely, but we're going to see two primary truths as we think about Jesus, who is our new and better high priest. Notice, first of all, the new and better priesthood. And we see this in verses 11 through 19. And I first want us to consider the inadequacy of the old priesthood and and covenant. Again, I would remind you that these believers at this time, God had not given all of them the New Testament as we have today. Uh, You know, I I, I want us to be reminded that that this the early church uh, saw Jesus as we know we do today in all the word of God. And so they study the Old Testament and, and we know we as believers today should study all of our Bibles, our Old Testament as well. That's a wonderful thing that we can proclaim uh, to unbelievers, uh, to unbelieving Jews that, that, uh, that the Lord Jesus uh, is fulfilled as well in the Old Testament. And, and uh, so, so when you read that Old Testament and you read about the, the old priesthood uh, under the Levitical priesthood and even the high priest uh, under Aaron's pr- tradition, then uh, in the Old Covenant, what do we see and, and, and what are we supposed to see? Well, we see the inadequacy of that. The word perfection here, as you begin in, in verse 11, now if perfection had been attainable. Now, what is he, what is he saying to us here? Well, the word perfection doesn't mean without flaws, but primarily it means to arrive at a desired end and reach a goal. So in other words, if this, uh, if this uh, goal could be, had, had been reached or this desired end could have been reached, then, then again, why was it, was it necessary uh, to, to have this old uh, priesthood? Well, again, the desired end or goal, as we see in this passage, is to draw near to God, to draw near to God. And again, that's what was missing. Kent, Kent Hughes says that this is to have, that to draw near to God is to have access to God or to have a right relationship with him. And again, the Old Testament priesthood, the old covenant could not do that for people. It was designed really intentionally by God to demonstrate its inadequacy, to leave people realizing that something was missing. And, uh, and so he said, uh, again, it, he's in essence saying, if, if it could have provided access to God, why would there need to be another priest? If the old priesthood uh, was sufficient, why did we need another priest? The word another here, by the way, uh, in the original language, means another of a different kind. There's a word in, in the Greek that means another of the same kind. This is, means, the word, the, the, means another of a different kind. What is that different kind? It's a priesthood, as we've seen several times and we'll see again, it, that is after the order of Melchizedek. I expect everyone in Lucy Baptist Church, when we finish preaching through Hebrews, nobody will come up and say, well, who was Melchizedek, right? Because we're seeing, we're getting to know Melchizedek, right? The, the king of peace, the king of righteousness, as we saw last week, who was the, who was the king at that time of Salem when, he, when Abraham met him after battle and he ministered to them and, and, uh, and blessed Abraham. And Abraham gave the, the tithe uh, of the best to him. Again, he was picturing, he was a type of Christ. Again, we see him in Psalms, when he, uh, Psalm 110, where the, the Messianic Psalm pointing to Jesus, words spoken 
to the Messiah, as we're going to see in just a few moments. But again, the, the one, uh, this change was needed. Why? Because again, the Levitical tribe, the one born to Levi, uh, or specifically even in the line of Aaron, a change was needed because they could not and were never really intended to provide access. Over in chapter 10, just a page or two over 10, verse 4, we read uh, these words. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then you look down at verse 11. Also, he says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can what? Say it with me, church. Can never, can never take away sins. Again, that was their, their, their intention. Uh, to show, again, the, the inadequacy and to cause them to realize that their point was, again, to point to the one who could take away sins. Amen? The lamb who would be offered up. The lamb one day that, that again, John would see, John the Baptist, who would see and would say, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was the purpose of these sacrifices, was to point to Christ. That was the purpose of the Old Test of the Old Covenant and of this uh, priesthood. It pointed to again the the one that would come. It pointed to the greater and final sacrifice. The inadequate covenant pointed to the final and complete new covenant, as Jeremiah described it, uh, it that it w- that would come again. The uh, the inadequate priesthood pointed to a sufficient and permanent high priest who would come. All of these were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you read your Old Testament and you read about all those sacrifices in Leviticus, you read those passages and you scratch your head, just realize they're all pointing to Jesus as we're going to see more in this passage and even as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today. So the Old Testament law, I do remind you, the book of Romans describes this. Romans 7 and Galatians, of course, describes uh, God is certainly not saying that he, uh, the law was bad. He makes that very clear. And the Bible even says concerning Jesus, he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And, and, and of course, the prophets. Galatians says the Old Testament law served as a, as a, uh, a schoolmaster. ESV translates it this way in Galatians 3.24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So yes, the law has its purpose, its good purpose. And again, to, to reveal to us our sinfulness. That's its purpose, to show us again and to show us that we, can, we are inadequate in and ourselves. We cannot earn God's favor. We cannot keep the law. That's why Jesus repeated that law again to the rich young ruler uh, that he might recognize, hey, I can't keep the law. I can't keep those commandments. I'm inadequate in myself. And to realize that only Jesus can enable us to do that. So again, we see the inadequacy of the, the old priesthood and the old covenant. But then if you, if you will, look with me in verses 15 and 19 at the sufficiency of the new priesthood and covenant. Uh, again, verse, uh, verse 15, he says, this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. 
Uh, again, God goes on to describe the change that is taking place. He's changing the rules, if you will. And uh, 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 by bringing in another priest, again, remember, another, a priest of another kind, a different kind. Uh, and again, he says this priest, uh, uh, this one arises. Again, I remind you that I'm certain that the Old Testament saints... Even the rabbis, as they would read the Old Testament, they would read about that passage in Genesis about Melchizedek. They, Melchizedek, they must have said, Where, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What's his purpose? Why is this, there's so little mention about him? God had a purpose. God had a purpose, and he knew that ultimately this is what he had planned for Melchizedek, that he was, gonna, he was the picture, he was the type. He was pointing to Jesus, who would one day come as the perfect high priest, and one who, he would, it would be after his order. He was a priest of the Most High God, but he was not in that Levitical priesthood. And so he was pointing again, ultimately to that. And, and then again, when, when uh, David would mention that concerning the Messiah, I'm sure there was still mystery involved. But then Jesus came. And now as believers, we, we are able and able to see by the Spirit of God. Aha, this is why he's there. This is who he is. This is what his purpose is, to point to the Lord Jesus. In verse 16, we see that his, his priesthood, uh, Jesus' priesthood, was not based on birth into the tribe of Levi. It was based on Jesus' permanence. Notice he says here it's based on this power of an indestructible life. An indestructible life. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I willingly offer my life up. And the Lord Jesus' life was indestructible. And he proved that at the resurrection. And uh, Jesus is life. And he said, uh, again, no one takes my life. And he said, I'll raise it up on the third day. And that's exactly what he did. And he's a living Lord. He's a living Savior. He's a living high priest. So his, his permanence uh, as our living Lord and Savior and King and High Priest. But again, he, it was uh, demonstrated also and based on God's promise to him. Again, uh, in verse uh, 17, he describes that, that promise uh, as he says in his witness to him, based, uh, quoting from Psalm 110, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, and, and he made a promise to him, and God has never broken a promise. He promised him, you're going to be a high priest, you're going to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he said, you'll be a priest forever, forever, forever. And again, verses 18 and 19, he describes the old priesthood and the old covenant were, uh, were as he describes, weak and useless he says, for on the one hand, the former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So again, Jesus introduces to us, uh, and intentionally again, there, the priesthood, the covenant, uh, had no power, had no power. It, it had the power to reveal our sinfulness, but it had no power to change our lives. Only Jesus can do that. Only the gospel can do that. And it comes through this better hope. Hebrews chapter 10, back to that chapter, just to, we'll be looking at this more closely. But again, he describes the sufficiency of, of Jesus' sacrifice. Chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, 
And since we have a great high priest, the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So again, we're able to draw near to him. We have a better hope through, the, through Jesus, through the, the new covenant of his blood made possible for us in Christ. The high priest, of course, uh, we know as we've studied and we're clear in scripture, it had, he had to be from the tribe of Levi, but literally he also had to be a descendant of Aaron in order to serve as a high priest. His appointment was for life. We know that as we read the passage that in those as we described earlier in our study of Hebrews, uh, being reminded about those cities of refuge, they would, would remain there until the death of the high priest. And, uh, and so, uh, so again, uh, he, he couldn't have no physical defects. There were some 142 uh, kinds of defects physically that a high priest couldn't have. Uh, he had to be qualified in every way in this regard. He, uh, he shared in the general priestly duties right along with the others. But again, on those special days, uh, the day of atonement annually when that sacrifice was offered up and, and he would first offer up a sacrifice for himself, but then also on behalf of the people, only he could draw near and only once a year could he enter in. No one else. He could do that for no one else. Again, on the, on the, at the Passover feast, you think about all the sacrifices that were offered uh, continuously and specifically on these special days uh, of, of sacrifice. But again, in reality, he could do nothing to draw men near to God. He could not help people gain access into the presence of God. But praise God, brothers and sisters. And the reason we remind ourselves of this is because of what Jesus has done for us. He's entered into the Holy of Holies, as we saw in the passage there uh, that in, in the last chapter that the Lord Jesus has gone in to the Holy of Holies and he is our anchor. He's our anchor of hope. And now the Bible says we are even seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ. And so through Christ, we now are able to draw near to the throne of God. And, and we're to do so, we are able to do so continuously through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think about that? Do you praise God for that? Do you rejoice today in the access that you have to God through the Lord Jesus Christ? But second, I want you to see the new and better priest, the Lord Jesus himself. And I want you to see several things in verses 20 to 28 about our new and better priest, the Lord Jesus. First of all, notice that Jesus is the promised priest. Again, in, in verses 20 to 22, uh, he, he gives us a reminder about the Levitical priest uh, there in, in, uh, in verse 20. Uh, the Levitical uh, priest, of course, um, was one who ha- whose office was based on their being born into the tribe of Levi. We see that, of course, uh, in, in verse 20. But 21 says, but this one was made a priest with an oath Uh, by the one who said to him, the Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And again, this reminds us of the word of God, the power of God's word, the power of God's promise. And God made a promise to the Lord Jesus Christ there in Psalm 110, and God's never broken a promise 
to the Lord Jesus. Amen. By the way, God's never broken a promise to you either. Amen. He keeps his word. God's word is true. We can count on him. And the Lord Jesus has has kept his promise to us as well. Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 6 and uh, verse uh, 17 says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, with a promise, if you will, God made a promise. Verse 22, we see that Jesus, this makes Jesus, he says, the guarantor of a better covenant. Uh, this word guarantor is a legal term. It was used to refer to a person who guaranteed a position or endeavors of someone else while putting themselves at risk in doing so. Well, let me just give you a little bit of a a picture of what this is like. Have you ever co-signed for anyone? Well, I I remind you that uh, the book of Proverbs uh, warns against that. Uh, it, it, but, but, but let me say it, the idea here of uh, the reason we, we're not, we're not to do that is because you, if you've ever experienced it, you know that someone can go back on their commitment, right? And that means you get stuck with the bill. Um, and so, but the Lord Jesus knows we can't pay our debt. Amen. He knows we have nothing to pay our debt with, that we are spiritually bankrupt. And so the Lord Jesus has, has guaranteed, if you will, uh, to pay our debt. And he's done so. In fact, at the cross, he said, uh, it is finished, paid in full. The Lord Jesus has done that. He's paid it in full. And he guarantees all his promises given to us in the new covenant. He guarantees that all our debts were paid in full at the cross. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I, I understand that, that my past sins were, were forgiven as a believer. What about my future sins? Well, dear friend, again, uh, at the, when Jesus died on the cross for you, all your sins were in the future. So all of your sins uh, were paid in full at the cross, paid in full. And the Lord Jesus is the guarantor of that commitment, of all the promises of the new covenant. And you can count on Jesus to keep his promise as well. He is, again, our promised priest. But notice second, he is our permanent priest in verses 23 to 25. And again, this is repeated over and over again in the book of Hebrews. Again, remember that he's, he's warning these folks who would want to turn back uh, that, that this is the one who is our permanent high priest. And really, there is no more priesthood apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some may say they are, but Jesus is the only one. So he shows the shortcoming of the Levitical priests under the old covenant. They were prevented by death, verse 24 says, from continuing. But 24 says Jesus holds his priesthood permanently. And this word, by the way, is also a legal term. uh, It's the only time it's used in the New Testament. But it refers to something that cannot be changed. Jesus is our permanent, unchanging priest. The Bible says here in Hebrews, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus holds his priesthood permanently, cannot be changed. Jesus, hallelujah, has no term limits. Amen. Jesus is our Lord, our King, our high priest forever. And that, and that's what guarantees our permanence, dear friend, based on the finished work of Jesus. And as his believers, what he's accomplished for us at the cross, what he's accomplished for us at the empty tomb, he is our high priest forever. 
And as a result of that, notice what wonderful promises we have here in verse 25. We could camp out here and spend a lot of time on this wonderful verse. Verse 25, let's look at that again. 25 says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Wow. The Bible says here his priesthood is permanent. We have a beautiful promise. It says because he ever lives, he's able to save to the uttermost. Some people sometimes uh, paraphrase that a little bit and say, and he's able to save to the guttermost, to which we can say amen. But again, what what does this word uttermost mean? Literally, it it is also translated, he's able to save forever. Kent Hughes says the idea here is it combines the idea of completeness with the idea of eternity. Uh, it, it, It means complete, absolute, total, eternal salvation. That's true of us individually. We're saved completely. We're saved radically. Yeah, everybody heard anybody say that? Man, when God saved me, he just saved me all over. Well, amen, he does. Now, he's still in in the process. He's not finished with you yet. I got good news for you. He saved you completely and totally. The Bible says in God's eyes, you are justified. You are counted righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's still in the process of saving you in this sense that he's in the process of sanctifying you, of making you more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an ongoing process. And we even see that uh, in this idea because the word to save is a present tense verb. Means again, he is able to go on saving. So while we are fully saved, we are still in the process of being saved. And that is becoming more like Christ in the process of sanctification. But also he said he is saving those who draw near to God through him. That's the only way we come to God, brothers and sisters. Friends, if you're here, if you think that you can get to God any other way, oh my, the Bible's very clear. Jesus, he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But again, it's interesting that the word here is is present tense as well. We are drawing near to God. We are continually drawing near to God. We keep on drawing. We persevere is the idea here even in this passage of the perseverance of the believer. We keep on drawing near to him. And that's what makes a Christian life a a joy and and a growing process as we continue to draw nearer and nearer and nearer to him through through Christ. We are really in Christ. We're as close as we can ever be, but we come to know him better. And again, we are grown in likeness to him. But again, this next phrase gives assurance on how he keeps us. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Paul described this process of, of intercession in Romans 8, 31 to 34. He said, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he? Who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God who is indeed interceding for us. Do you know that Jesus, the Bible says, child of God, is ever 
interceding. He lives to intercede for you. And the Bible says again, he's at, that Jesus is at the right hand of God and he is indeed interceding for you right now. Think about that. Think about that. Meditate on that. Rejoice in that today, that Jesus is interceding for you. We're not told exactly what is he praying there. Well, some believes he, he's believing, and I believe rightly so, bringing the believer's request to the Father. I believe Peter, the words Jesus spoke to Peter give us an idea, an encouragement, where he, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And listen to these words. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. It wasn't a matter of whether he would or not. Jesus knew he would. And Jesus was praying for him. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is praying for you. Don't ever say, nobody's praying for me. The most important one in the universe, Jesus, child of God, is praying for you. And I have more good news the Father always answers the prayers of Jesus. He always answers the prayers of Jesus. And this is a word to us about our ongoing uh, perseverance as believers. He saves us and he keeps us. And we can also read John 17 to know how Jesus is praying and has prayed and continues to pray for us. But notice thirdly, Jesus is the perfect priest. 26 to 28 uh, a lot said here. First of all, he's perfect in his character. Notice he says it's, all, it's fitting, which is also translated, he meets our need. Notice his perfect qualifications and his perfect character. He's holy. Uh, he is holy as God. He's holy. He's innocent. He's harmless. He's unstained. There's no blemish in him. He's separated from sinners. He's separated from sin, but he's not isolated. Amen? He became he became man. He became fully man, fully human. And then also, he is exalted above the heavens. He is worthy of all honor, all praise, and all glory. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's a perfect priest. Perfect in his character, but he's also perfect in his completed work. Verses 27 and 28 describe that. He has no need, verse 27 says, like those high priests who offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then, then for the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Again, the Lord Jesus, unlike those former high priests on the annual day who had to first offer a sacrifice for themselves and then offer up for the people, he offered up for for him, he offered up for us once and for all. Peter uh, wrote in, in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous Jesus for the unrighteous me, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Hallelujah. What a Savior. The Bible says here he's been made perfect Forever. That, that relates back to 5 and 8 where he describes there the suffering that the Lord Jesus did and offering himself up once for all. He completed, if you will, the idea again of perfect. He completed the work of redemption for us. That's why nothing can be added to it. That's why, again, it's, a, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, uh, the height of, of ridiculousness to, th to think that you can offer anything 
to God. You don't have to, and, and you could not if you could. But Jesus has finished the work for us. The work of redemption is complete. Rejoice in that today, brothers and sisters. Have you heard of those commercials promoting a money-making offer, um, telling you how much money you could make, how much money you could earn, but then an announcer comes on in a little lower voice, moving very quickly, that says actual results may vary, and the amounts given are for the illustration purposes only. Actual earnings may be less. You heard those? Well, I want you to know you'll never hear those things from God. Those statements greatly limit that promise But God promises that because Jesus is our superior high priest, salvation is guaranteed for all those who come to him in repentance and faith, who draw near to God through Jesus, through repentance of sin, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work for us at the cross. And again, we count on that wonderful promise and the promise that Jesus made. Because again, Jesus will never say, well, uh, actually, uh, the sinner first has to clean up his life. Or it doesn't apply to this sin or to that sinner. You'll never hear those words. In fact, John 6, 37, the Lord Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Dear friend, have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus? Oh, I want to plead with you today. If you've not come to Jesus, I plead with you today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to him in repentance of your sin, turning from your sin, in faith, placing your faith in trust in Jesus and him alone to save you. And he promises you, He will certainly not cast you out. He guarantees salvation for all eternity. And believer friend, praise God, keep drawing near. Keep on drawing near because you have a high priest who's already seated in the heavenlies who makes it possible for you to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in time of need. And I don't know about you, but I do know this. That's always. I'm always in a time of need. Amen. And we're able to come continuously before him. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.